Hi, this is an audio recording of an online resilience practices class facilitated by Frank Baird on July 14th, 2021. The topic for this class is lowering anxiety. This audio recording is made available to you free for your benefit and enjoyment. Hi everyone, it's five o'clock and time to practice resilience. So hi, I'm Frank Baird, I'm your host, and let me start by reminding you of what resilience is. It's the capacity and flexibility with which we meet life, and it's made up of interrelated and complementary skills, and we're going to talk about one briefly and then practice one tonight. So tonight, what we're going to talk about are strategies for lowering anxiety. I don't know if anybody's experiencing any anxiety in general um, in the end times here on Earth. Uh, But I know a lot of people are experiencing anxiety about uh, the uh, alleged end of the pandemic, or at least the opening up of places. And so for some folks who've been working remotely, returning to the office. Um, Sometimes there's some confusion uh, about whether you need to wear a mask, don't need to wear a mask. Um, What does it mean to wear a mask? Is it symbolic or performative or is it um, medically necessary? So a few people are feeling uh, a little bit of anxiety and I'm here to talk about some strategies for managing it and I always think of managing it as um, lowering it. So let's start with this idea. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there is healthy anxiety. Mostly when we think of anxiety, we're not thinking of it as healthy or, or uh, serving a particular function. Um, hold on a second. My camera is blinking again, which sometimes means it's deciding that it wants to do things differently. Nope, it's working okay. Um, so... Mostly we think of anxiety when it's disordered and when it's a a problem. But here are a couple of things to think about in relation to anxiety. And the reason I mention them is because how we think about it affects uh, our experience of it. So anxiety by nature is unpleasant. That's its function. It's to be unpleasant and to get you unsettled so that you pay attention. And and the kind of attention anxiety is trying to get you to pay is focused attention and then doing an analysis and the the attention and the analysis is around your well-being. So for our purposes, I'm gonna call it safety. Um, right? You're supposed to pay attention. It gets you to pay attention to the question of, am I safe? And uh, analyzing that, and if the answer is yes, anxiety dissipates. It doesn't need to be present any longer. And if the answer is no, then it's really related to how much danger, what kind of danger, what do I need to do right now to be safe? So it gets you to take action for your well-being. And the action that you take is informed by the consideration the analysis that was possible with focused attention, and by wisdom. And again, it has a specific context 
and it dissipates when it's no longer needed, when the function has been served. Now, disordered anxiety is different. One of the things about disordered anxiety is it precedes context. It's the kind of thing where you can, I always like this phrase, feel anxious for no particular reason, but then when you start paying attention, anxiety starts to go, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? So the, the experience of anxiety precedes a particular context and then attaches itself to everything. So one of the effects of this is it's convincing you to pay attention to it, to the experience of anxiety. And it does that by uh, creating a sense of urgency or by exaggerating what's going on or by lying about what's going on, or mostly I should say what could be happening. And it prevents us from taking action in the way that healthy anxiety does because what it by demanding our attention on it, all we can do is ruminate. All we can do is go over and over and over the question of am I safe, am I safe, am I safe, without ever being able to get to an answer because it's only focused on anxiety. Or another way of thinking of that is it's pretty chaotic. I don't know if you've ever done this. I think of this as like the math of um, conclusions, right? So if I... If I have a question, am I safe, I can consider point A, point B, point C. I guess if I'm doing math, it should be point one, point two, point three. And then I summarize it, right? I come up with the sum, I do the math, and it says safe enough. Or I do the math and it says, well, not as safe as I'd like to be, but okay, I'm safe-ish. Or I do the math and it says, do this, do this now. With disordered anxiety, what happens is I try to do the math, and as soon as I get to a, a possible conclusion, anxiety will go, but did you think about this? Or did you think about this? Or what about this? What about this? So you can't get to a place where you sum up the, the math. You just keep thinking things over and over, and mostly the same thing over and over and over, the same points over and over. So the only action you can take is paying attention to anxiety and ruminating about its content. So what anxiety, a disordered anxiety does is it amplifies itself and it doesn't dissipate, right? Because it's pre-context, then it's, you know, in a way I'm talking about it as if it's goal-oriented, but it, the goal would be to occupy you fully, it doesn't dissipate unless, and that's what we're going to talk about today, learning how to lower anxiety. So one of the things that helps is your conceptualization of anxiety, that how you conceptualize the experience of anxiety will change your relationship to the experience of anxiety. So if you recognize that it serves a function then one of the things you can do is lean in the direction of accepting the experience of anxiety, however unpleasant. This is easier said than done, by the way. But leaning in the direction of accepting the unpleasantness of anxiety, recognizing that it has a function and you cannot eliminate the function of anxiety. You don't want to. It's valuable when it's healthy uh, and not disordered. It's really useful and really valuable. So you start by conceptualizing anxiety in this way. It's here, it serves a function. 
then the next thing you do is you can return disordered anxiety to healthy anxiety with the help of a couple of things, right? So it's easy to list these things and it's harder to do these things, but with knowledge. So one bit of knowledge is understanding how anxiety works, what the function is of anxiety, what the difference is between healthy anxiety and disordered anxiety. The other thing is therapy. Therapy helps with a lot of things, but it can help with managing and dealing with the effects of disordered anxiety. Medication can help, either like specific medications, anti-anxiety medications, or another way of doing this is um, like uh, taking care of uh, what you eat, uh, what you drink, um, uh, other holistic body things like exercise. And mindfulness practices. And what we're going to talk about tonight specifically are some mindfulness practices that help with your relationship with anxiety. So another conceptual thing that helps, a conceptual shift is to have the goal to be less bothered by anxiety instead of having the goal be to eliminate anxiety. I like to think this way, that whenever I think of a solution to uh, a problem or something unpleasant, I go, well, if it didn't exist, oops, uh-oh, my, uh, my computer's doing a bunch of stuff again. Hold on, let me check again, my device settings. Yeah, I, I don't know why Teams wants to argue with me all the time. Um, I got a message that you couldn't hear me. Uh, so... Uh, let's see, where was I? Oh, the idea is that I will be less bothered by something if it didn't exist or if it wasn't present. And I think that's true enough. And something like anxiety, because it's built into us, because it serves a function that we can't get rid of it. So in, instead, Right, but I may not be able to get rid of anxiety, but I can be less bothered by it because that's really my goal. I happen to think that eliminating it is the best way and maybe it's the best, but it's not the only way. And the more attainable way is to become less bothered by it. So some of the strategies for becoming less bothered by it or more tolerant of it or another way of uh, conceptualizing this is uh, one way I can be stronger than whatever turmoil or winds or waves, however, you, whatever metaphor you want to use for uh, the unpleasantness of anxiety, I'm stronger than it. So one of the things, one of the strategies that helps with being with anxiety, which the better, I can't even talk anymore today, um, the stronger I am in relation to anxiety, what that's going to, the, the net effect of that is lowering the power of anxiety, the effect of anxiety. So one of the ways to do that is notice where my attention is. So if I notice that I'm ruminating, I'm just going over something over and over and over and over and over, there is no benefit to that. None. It helps to recognize that and to remind yourself of that when it's happening because anxiety will convince you, just keep thinking about it. So noticing where your attention is, if it's on a story, especially a horror story, or if it's chaotic thinking, um, uh, if it's about the meaning of a body sensation, um, 
noticing where your attention is, and then one of the mindfulness skills is recognizing that wherever your attention is, is going to be your experience. So one of the things you could do if anxiety is presenting you all kinds of horror shows in your mind is disengage and redirect your attention. One of the best places to redirect attention is onto something physical, to a physical sensation. Redirect it not to any physical sensations that anxiety is focusing on. You know, that's where sometimes it's hard to focus your attention on breathing because anxiety says, you're suffocating or you can't breathe right or you're having a heart attack. But any other kind of physical sensation. So one of the things that sometimes helps is uh, the bottoms of the feet or the palms of the hands. Or sometimes people will direct attention. It feels like directing attention outside of the body. So they'll focus their attention on something they can see. That's still a physical sensation. Seeing is a physical experience. But it feels like at least I'm out of my body and I'm over at that thing that I'm looking at. And it helps to look at something that's pleasant, uh, either neutral or pleasant. Um, Sometimes people will look at like the flickering flame of a candle because it can be kind of peaceful. Or I reliably look at my dog because I love my dog and my dog is like my meta object. (laughs) I do all kinds of practice with my dog, in part because my dog is pretty zen in general, but he's so damn cute. And so anxiety might still be raging, and to the extent that my attention is on that sensation, what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing in my body, it's not as powerful. So you shift attention, and you try to keep attention shifted, and it won't. It won't stay shifted. And a lot of times people start to have anxiety that they're going to have anxiety or they start to have anxiety because their attention won't stay put. But one of the benefits of a mindfulness practice is knowing attention never stays put. It's not a failure in this moment. It never stays put. It just happens to move a lot more quickly because anxiety is a lot more demanding. The, the other thing we try to do often is find something that's more compelling than anything anxiety is telling us or anything anxiety is doing, right? So it's kind of like, I'll look at my dog and then I can barely feel a shift because I'm looking at my dog and I still feel like anxiety is going, no, look at me, look at me, be afraid of this. And that feels like failure also. And it's helpful to recognize that's not failure, that there is nothing more compelling than anxiety right now, that what I'm doing is redirecting my attention because I decided to. I recognize that whatever I'm paying attention to is not going to be more compelling. My attention is going to be yanked away. And what I'm going to try to do is as soon as I notice, gently bring it back to whatever it is I decided to anchor my attention to. So the back and forth of my attention is not a failure. The back and forth of my attention is inevitable. The other thing to to notice is, am I paying attention to the sensation or am I paying attention to a thought or an emotion about the sensation? And this is not absolutely true, but I would argue that primarily we don't recognize that we're paying attention to a thought or a feeling, an emotion about 
the sensation, right? So that's where that uh, tightness in my shoulder isn't recognized as tightness and sensation in my shoulder and maybe temperature, but instead it's like, oh, there's, there's tightness in my shoulder, that's unpleasant, and then here comes the train, the train of story and meaning, because my shoulder is so tight, that means I have cancer, or that means I've got muscle failure, or that means whatever horror story anxiety happens to be able to bring to that particular sensation in your body. So being careful to redirect your attention to a sensation. And if that one isn't working, you want to be careful about this, but redirecting it to a different sensation. If anxiety manages to convince you that what's happening in that place, it, you know, it recruits you into a horror story about that, maybe redirecting attention to a different sensation. And then repeat as needed. Again, it's always my attention goes wherever anxiety pulls it and then on purpose as best I can to the extent that I can, I redirect my attention to something that potentially can be more soothing, however soothed I feel, which is probably not very much, but, and then when anxiety takes it, bringing it back again. So with that said, we're going to practice with this, and, and here's a reminder about uh, some of the efforts we're making in practicing, right? It's always a gentle effort to be present with whatever is here, because you're always going to be here, wherever here is, and whenever here is. So to the extent that you can be present with whatever is in your experience, you're going to feel better. And within that overall effort are these, these um, I don't know, you call them subcategories of efforts. These are the little things that we're doing as a part of that effort. Cultivating curiosity about what's happening instead of judginess about what's happening. Noticing where attention is and shifting it as needed. Cultivating a friendly attitude toward whatever's happening, toward you, toward your experience or reaction to whatever's happening, and leaning in the direction of being with the experience you're having. Leaning in the direction. You may not be able to uh, be with or accept it as much as you'd hope or would like, but the effort of, to the extent that you're paying attention to the effort to lean in the direction of being with, that that means part of your bandwidth is occupied with a beneficial effort, it's not available to anxiety to steal, to co-opt. So we're going to do this practice. Uh, the best way to do this practice, easiest way, is just listen to my voice and notice what happens. I invite you to get comfortable. You can do this practice sitting, standing, or lying down, or walking or moving. And you can do it with your eyes open or closed, whichever feels most comfortable. And then just a, a note about discomfort. Discomfort is an inevitable part of life. Um, and sometimes you'll feel it before you practice. Sometimes you feel like it's going to keep you from practicing. Sometimes it arises during practice. If you can, work with that. If you can continue to be present and recognize that you're practicing, great. 
And if not, then adjust. Adjust in a way that can help you be more present, that can help you practice. And if you can't, then stop for now. Feel free to stop. There's lots and lots of opportunity to practice later. And if you can't practice right now, or sometimes you're just not in the mood, there's no benefit to doing it if you're just acting out your conditioning or the react. Uh, the reactivity that comes from conditioning, you don't need help doing that. You already know how to do that. So interrupt the practice. This is an invitation to trust yourself and what you need. So with that said, let's give this a go. So what I would invite you to do now is assume that comfortable posture if you haven't already. And then I'm going to invite you to bring a thought, either a memory or an imagining, to bring a thought to mind on purpose so that we can practice with it. And what I invite you to do is bring to mind something mildly worrisome. Emphasis on mild. Again, to practice, it needs to be really, really mild. If you were going to the gym and you were going to practice lifting weights, you wouldn't start with 500 pounds. If you're me, you're never going to get to 500 pounds. You'd start with, again, if you're me, five or 10 pounds. So something light, something that's a little worrisome, uh, it provokes a little bit of anxiety, just so that you can have something of the experience of the presence of anxiety to, to work with. If nothing comes to mind, that's okay. You can still do this practice. And if you have a number of things to choose from, because don't we all, for now, just pick one to practice with. One slightly mild story or feeling of anxiety or worry. And I invite you to notice where your attention is in relation to both this effort to evoke it and if it's present. Is your attention or is your experience of anxiety primarily right now a story? Is it primarily thinking, either remembering or imagining and kind of seeing it play out like a, an image or a movie? a scene where you're there? Is attention primarily on thinking or is it primarily on the feelings, the emotions that are happening right now? Or a combination. Inevitably, it's going to be a combination. In part because our body is involved in everything. So one of the things you might do right now is bring attention to the body and notice what's happening in the body in relation to this effort and this thought that's mildly worrisome. Brings up some mild anxiety. What's happening in the body? What sensations are easy to notice in this context? 
often one of the body effects of anxiety is either tightness in places in the body or weakness. If you notice that there are places in your body right now that are tight or tense, I invite you to make a gentle, friendly effort to let go of any of that that you can. You may not be able to let go of all of it or even enough of it. Let go of as much as you can. Our bodies always get configured around what we're thinking or feeling or doing, and we may not be able to, we may not know how to just change what we're thinking or just change what we're feeling. We do know how to move our body. And sometimes moving it can help it get differently configured. So noticing places in the body that feel tense or tight and either letting go of as much of that as you can or another way of doing this is inviting as much ease into your body as will come. One of the things I think about an invitation is sometimes they get accepted, sometimes they don't. But extending the invitation, inviting as much ease into your body. Sometimes you might notice that you can let go of some tension or tightness and then it comes right back. It might come right back out of habit. It might come right back because anxiety is still trying to get your attention. If you notice returning tension or tightness, again, a gentle, friendly effort to let go. And now I invite you to find and use an attention anchor or a meditation anchor. So this can be any physical sensation. So if breathing works for you, you might bring attention to breathing and just feel breathing happening. Or if you prefer, you can look at the screen, at this picture on the screen, or some look at something else in your environment that is neutral or soothing. 
So taking a moment to choose an attention anchor and then let that anchor be a place to rest attention. To the extent that attention stays there, it can be restful. Can be. Maybe not. Maybe not enough. But again, that friendly, gentle effort to let attention rest with this anchor. And when attention inevitably moves away, races away, gets yanked away, when you notice, as gently as you can, bringing attention back to this anchor. And noticing where experience is now, where attention is now. And you can use this attention anchor as a place to restart the effort of paying attention, or a place to refocus attention. Noticing where attention is now.
Noticing where attention is now and what the experience is in paying attention to whatever you're paying attention to. And if attention is anywhere other than your attention anchor, just acknowledging, oh, that's where my attention was. And gently bringing attention back, back to this anchor, back to this place to rest attention just for now. And now, if you're not already doing it, I invite you to bring attention to whatever that worrisome thought was or is. So on purpose, directing attention to that thought. And you just might notice Does it feel the same? Does it feel different than when you started the practice? Maybe it feels different. Maybe it's more intense or less intense. So just noticing that thought now, or it might be a similar thought, not the same thought. And then on purpose, disengaging and redirecting attention to your attention anchor. Noticing where attention is now. And as best you can, having a friendly attitude about wherever attention is. In terms of practice, there is nothing wrong with it being wherever it is. It may not be where you intended it to be or where you want it to be. 
just notice and then on purpose, just because you decided, you redirect attention back to your attention anchor. As we near the end of our practice for today, if you'd like, you might express some appreciation to yourself for making this effort at self-care, being kind to yourself, giving yourself such careful attention. So if you'd like, express some appreciation to yourself. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Or I'm grateful for your attention. Or thank you for your time. Or thank you. Just thank you. the things I think about practice is we're not just doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for others also. I may be the focus of my practice, but others will benefit as well, especially if I can manage anxiety or if I can be with it or practice in these ways so that it doesn't have as easy a time running rampant. So to conclude our practice, if your eyes are closed, you might open them and move them around. You might move your head around, shrug your shoulders, stretch, wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, yawn. And this will conclude our practice for tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice and thank you for practicing together.